Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. It's a delight to be here with you. It's nice weather down here, you know. You folks notice that? Yeah, wonderful worship experience. Uh, thank you for that wonderful uh, praise and worship experience leading us into the presence of the Lord. I appreciated that a lot. I love the presence of the Lord. How about you? Yes? Okay, I came to the right place then. I love the presence of the Lord. And uh, boy, Rabbi David can really sing it, can he? Uh, you're quite the cantor, brother. Nice. And, um, you know, speaking of Rabbi David, I've been uh, watching him from a distance for a long time because I have a heart for the next generations, you know, to see the younger people. David's already, I told him, you know, three more years, we're not going to call him a young leader anymore. But, uh, you know, he's one of the young leaders in, in our movement here in North America. And, and my wife and I, we really have a heart for... Uh, teenagers, young adults, and uh, just to see them enter into their destiny in the Lord. And so I've been watching Rabbi David from a distance for a while, and I've perceived, not only from your vision statement, but from hearing him speak a little bit from time to time, that he carries the heart of the Lord for the lost sheep of the house of Israel and for all people. He carries the heart of the Lord to see our Jewish people born again into the kingdom of God, to know that love and salvation that only Yeshua can give, and to see non-Jewish people have that as well. And from my point of view, whenever we have a leader that carries that heart and wants to uh, uh, move his congregation together like a spiritual army into the Great Commission, you all remember the Great Commission? Yeshua said we're to make disciples, reach the lost, make disciples, teach them so that they can make disciples. This is one of the non-negotiables in the kingdom of God, you know, the great commandment. Am I like hitting something here? No, I'm okay. The non-negotiables, three non-negotiables really, it's, it's to receive the love of God and love him back with everything, complete surrender, complete trust, surrender. We all go through tough moments there, but that's the heart of us. Loving people the way we love ourselves, and I like to say to truly love somebody, you need to be concerned not only about their everyday situations and problems. You've got to care, right? Why am I exploding? I haven't even gotten anointed yet. Oh, it's over here? Okay. Uh, um, and to truly love somebody, we need to be concerned about their everyday life situations and problems, but not only. We need to be concerned about their relationship with God and their eternal destiny. This is the love of God in us. We need to be concerned about their relationship with God and their eternal destiny. And uh, if we watch Yeshua's ministry, we watch. He's our example, isn't he? He's my example in everything. If we watch carefully, read in the scriptures his ministry, we see, I think it's fair to say, I tried to put it into one sentence, 
Yeshua lived the life of sacrificial service, sacrificial giving for the benefit of others. Motivated by compassion and love, Yeshua lived a lifestyle, not a ministry simply, but a lifestyle of compassionate giving, compassionate service, sacrificial for the benefit of others. And so that's where I seek to go by the grace of God. And uh, we all know that uh, this thing is a two-sided affair, right? God does his part, I can't do it. I do my part, he can't do my part. God does his part, you do your part. He can't do your part. God's not going to play the worship up here. It ain't going to happen. God is not going to reach your neighbor with the gospel without you. God's not going to reach that Jewish person who's your co-worker without you. It's the way it is, two-sided thing. We're a partnership with Yeshua in the great kingdom work. You agree with that? So a little bit about me and uh, the Ministry of Reach Initiative International, just so we get acquainted a little bit, and then we'll dig in, dig in a little bit more into the message. Uh, my wife and I, as uh, Rabbi David mentioned, we're co-founders of a Messianic Jewish ministry called Reach Initiative International. And uh, we minister in India, where about 40,000 young Israelis travel every year in Belarus where we've established four messianic congregations and a wide variety of, of uh, uh, mercy and compassion ministries. And uh, some of you have, may have heard, some earlier heard as we were having a discussion. Anybody here of the nation of Israel? Uh-huh. Nobody? <laughs> and so we also have ministry there. And really there are three foci or three pillars of our ministry. And the first one is to bring the gospel to Jewish people who have never heard and to make disciples of Jewish people and Gentile people. You know, somehow that thing that the Apostle Paul had in his heart really touched me. Rabbi Shaul, the Apostle Paul said, I seek to bring the gospel where it's not been preached. And that's kind of like where our heart is, to bring the gospel to our Jewish people who have not heard. That's why we go to all these strange countries. And uh, to make disciples of both Jewish people and, and non-Jewish people because when you throw out a new Jewish, Jewish net, you catch Jewish fish and you catch Gentile fish. Right? That's the way it works. So the second pillar of our ministry we call Project 58. And Project 58 is serving the poor, the needy, and the, and the oppressed, bringing mercy and compassion to the poor, needy, and the oppressed. And the third one I already spoke of is Generation Next, empowering and equipping youth and young adults to enter their destiny and make their impact for Yeshua in the world. So those are the three foci of our ministry. We think they're all from the Bible, and I think you'll probably agree. And... Uh, I believe all of you uh, received a newsletter. This is our year-end newsletter, hot off the press. I just got a hold of it this week. And uh, you don't need to read it now, but I just wanted to make sure if you didn't get it, just raise your hand, and an usher will make sure you get it. Can we get the ushers? We got one lady here. Anybody else? Okay. We're going to get you one. And... Uh, on here, the reason I'm pointing that out now is if you'd like to find out more about our ministry, 
you can go to our website, reachii.org, reachii.org. And uh, also, if you'd like to get some more teachings that I hope would encourage and inspire you, I do a weekly uh, broadcast of a radio show that's live streamed also. And uh, then you can download it on your favorite podcast platform. It's called Your Jewish Connection with Rabbi Stewart. And so you can get all the information about that podcast and uh, the episodes of the broadcast on both video and audio at reachii.org. Okay, so moving along. We just uh, got back. My wife and I spend more than half of the year outside of the United States uh, to encourage and strengthen the teams on the ground that we raised up in those three nations, Israel, Belarus, and India. And we just recently returned from a trip where we were in all three of those nations. And, you know, I'm reminded of the words of David Ben-Gurion. He said this, In Israel, in order to be a realist, you need to believe in miracles. He's the first prime minister of Israel. And he wasn't a religious guy. But he was seeing miracles happen all around him when uh, the prophesied rebirth of the nation of Israel was coming to pass and he became the first prime minister. Am Yisrael Chai. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, speaking of being a realist, in, in God's kingdom, I've alluded to this, we also need to be believing in miracles because God takes our little efforts he takes the efforts of ordinary people like you and me to do extraordinary things. He takes the ordinary people. There's only one superstar in the kingdom of God. And I know you all think it's Rabbi David, but it's not. It's Yeshua, right? God loves to take ordinary people like you and me and do extraordinary things through people who are willing to take a risk and step out in obedience in places that take us beyond our comfort zones. And, uh, you know, not long ago I was sitting in a uh, cafe with the leader of one of the Holocaust survivor groups that we serve in Israel. We now serve in a number of cities in Israel and we're serving about 500 Holocaust survivors in the land of Israel. And uh, God's given us great favor with the leadership of the National Association that represents these survivors that survived concentration camps and ghettos in the former Soviet Union. And uh, one, I was very close with one of the leaders, and we were sitting in a cafe. And uh, before I tell you what happened in the cafe, a little history. When I first met him five years ago, he was a firm atheist because he was raised in the former Soviet Union, communism, atheism. Though his wife was uh, uh, some kind of believer in Yeshua, though she was not Jewish, she's not Jewish, she was a believer in Jesus, and, uh, but he was a firm atheist, and he kind of felt like, well, my wife's not Jewish, that's good for her. I'm Jewish, so I'm going to keep my Jewish traditions, but I don't believe in God. And then he met me and another man on our team, who uh, another Jewish follower of Yeshua, and he began to think, oh, these guys seem like normal Jews, and they believe in, in Yeshua as the Messiah. And then as our relationship developed, I had the opportunity to sit two days in his home, 
to eat, talk, fellowship, open the Bible. And uh, I asked him at the end of those two days, so what do you think now? And he said, well, I'm close, but I'm not there yet. And then his wife had uh, a very difficult season in her life. She almost, she had a heart attack, a stroke, and almost drowned all at the same time in the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, um, what happened next was what changed the leader of this Holocaust Survivor Association. Victor, who's a member of our team, would stay very close. He would call every day. He would pray. And over a period of time, you know, God used me and my wife a little bit, and then he used Victor. I sat down in the uh, cafe, and we're drinking tea, and I said, let's pray. I'll pray. He said, no, no, I'm going to pray. And I already knew that he had accepted Yeshua, but when he kind of said, I want to pray, I thought, oh, wow. And then he prayed just a prayer, the best way I can describe it, it was a river of thanksgiving. This is a man who had suffered horrible, horrible, unimaginable sufferings during the Holocaust. Had his Jewishness stolen from him in the communist atheist days of the Soviet Union. And now was praying to Yeshua and just a river of thanksgiving. And so this is an illustration of what God can do when we make sacrifices for others based on motivated by his love. He can transform lives. He takes ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And I'm reminded of the story in Yochanan, John chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. You're all familiar with the story as I read it. You'll remind yourselves of it says Yeshua lifting up his eyes and seeing a large crowd come to him another gospel said he had compassion on this crowd Yeshua said to Philip where will we buy bread so that these may eat now Yeshua was saying this to test him for he knew what he was about to do Philip answered 200 denarii isn't enough to buy bread for each to get a little bit one of his disciples Andrew Shimon Kepha Simon Peter's brother said to him there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what's that for so many? Yeshua said, make the people recline. There was much grass in the area, so the men reclined about 5,000 in number, and Yeshua picked up the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed bread to everyone who was reclining. He did the same with the fish as much as they wanted. And when the people were full, Yeshua said to his disciples, Gather up the leftovers so nothing is wasted. So they gathered and filled 12 baskets with broken pieces from the five barley loaves uh, which were left over by those who had finished eating. Now, just a little side note. Verse 12 proves that Yeshua was Jewish. I can hear my Jewish grandmother and my Jewish mother saying, Don't let anything go to waste. Gather it all up. See, concrete proof he was Jewish. So anybody who argues that he's not Jewish, you just take him right here, okay? 
And then, uh, you know, but the main thing in this story is that we can see this little boy. He says, okay, I don't think he was forced. I think he took a risk. I mean, his mom, his Jewish mom, like every good Jewish mom does, she gave him something to eat while he was going out, you know? And so he's got these five loaves and two fish, and he gives them to Yeshua. And he could have thought, hey, if I give my five loaves and two fish to Yeshua, what am I going to have? But I think this little boy had a little faith, and he took a little risk. He was kind of an unlikely candidate, we might say. But he was part of God's supernatural solution to a situation. He gave his five loaves and two fish to Yeshua, and both the boy and thousands were fed. See, sometimes we feel like we've got to take care of me, myself, and I, and then, you know, we get fed. But then the thousands don't get fed. Yeshua received the glory in the whole story. And I'm more determined than ever. I've been walking with the Lord for 42 years. This, the Lord grabbed a hold of this Jewish boy when I was minus 10 years old. That was a joke. He grabbed hold of this Jewish boy from New York when I was 25 years old. I've been walking with the Lord for 42 years. And I am more determined than ever to give Yeshua my five loaves and two fish when? Every day. Every single day. Why? So that His supernatural multiplication and provision will not only bless my family, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, but it will bless the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the hurting, the hungry, the lost, and those in desperate need of His salvation. His love in me requires it. His love in you requires it as well. He wants to feed the people around us, through us, not just physically with food, but spiritually as well. You see, when I'm around young Israelis, I'm like 50, 45 years older than most of these young Israelis that me and my wife and our team minister to in India. 45 years older, okay? When they look at me, they're not thinking, I want to be around him, right? They're looking at the nice olive skin girls, and the girls are looking at the nice olive skin boys, and they're thinking, those are the people I want to be around, right? But I got to tell you, Yeshua, when we allow him, he creates a supernatural space around us that communicates supernatural love and acceptance without condoning sin and evil but this supernatural love and acceptance I remember when I came into the kingdom I was a super wreck and a rebel and a sinner but he took me with this supernatural love and acceptance and then he transformed me all right I think he did the same with many of you right anybody else experience that yeah, okay. And so when we allow him, when we connect, Yeshua said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, stay in me and I'll stay in you. My love in you, you stay in my love, my love through you. He creates the space 
around us that communicates supernatural love and acceptance. And if we have a goal to kind of keep connecting with that, we learn to connect with that better and better. And so these young Israelis, and I've ministered personally to hundreds, most of them really like being around me and my wife. When we hold our India reunion nights in Israel, some of them travel an hour to hang out with us. Now, I'm not telling you this because I'm special. I'm telling you this because Yeshua is special and he wants to do extraordinary things through ordinary people like you and me. You know, if you listen to some of the modern so-called Bible teachers today, you get the feeling that our faith is either a philosophical system of helpful teachings and moral values to help us live a better life, or it is uh, about the great Santa Claus in the sky who just wants to bless, bless, bless us, and, you know, we should have the best car, the best house, the best money, and everything else. Now, may the Lord prosper you and bless you, you and your loved ones, but that ain't what it is is all about what it's all about is exactly what your rabbi prayed that when the lord prospers and blessed us it's not all for me and mine i'm blessed so that my five loaves and my five fish are not just for me they're for everybody who needs and whenever he asks me to give away my heart my time, my money, my fish, my loaves, my peanut butter sandwiches, you know, whatever it is, there we are. Hineni, there we are. Right? That's who we are. We're not called to be believers. Did you know that? We are called to be disciples. And whoever desires to be my disciple must take up his cross daily, deny himself what's this all about and follow me for whoever will seek to find his life will lose it and whoever will seek to whoever will lose his life for me and the gospel will find it it's the most fulfilling life on earth and you may not be called to go overseas like me and my wife but it's the most fulfilling life in Daphne it's the most fulfilling life in Mobile it's the most fulfilling life wherever, if God never calls you to travel more than 10 miles or if he calls you to travel 10 million miles, this is the most fulfilling life. And I've seen good people like you who love the Lord lose their excitement in Yeshua, lose their destiny in Yeshua over and over again. How? What happens? They begin to focus more and more on their own needs more and more on their own problems, more and more on me, myself, and I, and perfect myself. And I'm not saying we ignore that, okay? But I am saying when that becomes the focus of our lives, we lose connection with the very heart of Yeshua. And even our relationship with the God of heaven and earth, with the almighty God, the almighty merciful lover, we lose connection and life becomes kind of boring or not very exciting in our relationship with Him. I don't want that to happen to any of you because you're a part 
of his body and I'm part so you're connected to me and so when you are like that it hurts me but most of all hurts him and most of all hurts others out there and when any of us are like that it hurts the others see God wants to mobilize the spiritual family now I'm going to speak prophetically to you I learned that I have to say this. I'm speaking prophetically now because I would speak prophetically sometimes to my leaders and they, I didn't say that and they would like miss it, you know. So I'm speaking prophetically to you now. God wants to mobilize this spiritual family, your spiritual family. And I believe that under David's leadership, there's a real community and love for one another here. But God wants to mobilize you now in a fresh way to be a spiritual army holding up the banners of love and truth and making ongoing commitments of your time and resources to win our Jewish people first and foremost into the kingdom through your prayers through your giving of your time, your heart, your resources. It starts first with what I teach everywhere I go. Every one of us, and this is the modus operandi of Reach Initiative International, it is to love people into the kingdom of God one at a time. You may not be an evangelist, you may not be a preacher, but we're all called to love our neighbors ourselves. And so we can love people into the kingdom of God one at a time one at a time it starts there but then it goes to the next place you have gifts I don't you have gifts he don't and God wants to use all of our gifts like a body you know my hand doesn't talk although you know we Jewish people sometimes we think our hands talk but we have to use them to help our mouths work that's the way it goes and so our hands don't talk our feet don't usually feed us. You are all part of the body. You have unique gifts. If you don't know what your gifts are, work together with your leader to find them out. You have unique gifts and they're designed to work together with the other giftings in this body to have an impact in your community and then beyond around the world. And I hope that some of you above your tithes and offerings will choose Reach Initiative International to be your outstretched arms to our Jewish people in Israel, Eastern Europe, and India. Pray about that opportunity as uh, you consider your year-end giving and maybe partnering with ministries in 2020. And uh, I encourage you, by the way, sign up for our newsletter. There's a sign-up sheet out here. We'll keep you informed. I hope we'll keep you inspired. And you can pray for us and you can see... Uh, in what way God may want you to participate with us. So, are you with me on this? I want to give you a little practical tool. I ask everybody in our four congregations in Belarus to carry a card like this. It's called the, I'm a committed to the Ephesians 5.1.2 lifestyle. Ephesians 5.1.2 says, Be imitators of God, therefore and live a life of love and give like Messiah did sacrificially and so I asked them to 
uh, hold this card in their Bibles. On one side, put family members. And on the other side, through prayer and service, I will love these friends and acquaintances into the kingdom of God. Now, some of these people may come fairly quickly, maybe in the next year. Some may take 36 years, like my Jewish mama. I remember praying five years, oh Lord, how long, 10 years, how long, 20 years, I'm ready to give up. 36 years at the age of 82, she opened her heart to Yeshua. I want to tell you the story of uh, Tatiana. Tatiana, what a gal. We have a lot of these in our congregations in Belarus. Tatiana. Just want to make sure I get all the details. Okay, she was 71. Tatiana was 71. Jewish babushka in our congregation in Minsk. We, Minsk is the capital of Belarus. And uh, you might say at 71, you know, she wasn't really running the marathon and she was probably not the likely candidate to do great things. But with a little encouragement from my wife, she's really good at this. Tatiana decided to take her five loaves and two fishes and give them to Yeshua to serve the homebound and disabled through our congregational ministry called Chesed, Mercy, Grace, in, our, in the city of Minsk. And uh, many were blessed through Tatiana, and about a dozen opened their hearts and received Yeshua because of her sacrificial love and service that was consistent. During the 10 years she served, we were often commenting with amazement. She never seems to age. Now, I can't guarantee that for everybody, but I've noticed people who are giving themselves away for the benefit of others, they stay young. There's something that keeps them young. Again, I can't guarantee it for everyone, but there's this reality that I've noticed. Not long ago, I was in Walmart. Anybody ever heard of Walmart? Um, okay. So I was in Walmart. I was looking for a lock, and I uh, couldn't find it. It's a big store. I'm not, I don't go to stores that often. Uh, I try to stay away from them, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Um, and my wife is good about that, too, so we're in good shape about that. So I'm in Walmart, but if you go to stores, that's okay. Just, like, win everybody to the Lord while you're there. Love on them. It's great, you know. I'm not against stores, so I don't want to give you the wrong impression. So I'm in Walmart, can't find the lock, and I see this young guy with a Walmart shirt or whatever it was, and I say, hey, can you help me find the locks here? And he said, Sure. Now, I have certain spiritual disciplines that help me stay in the love of God. I'm far from perfect at this, but I work at it. So as I'm following this young man, one of my spiritual disciplines is anybody who helps me or serves me, I pray for them inside of myself. So I pray for him inside of myself. We get to the locks. He shows me the locks, and I say to him, hey, do you have a minute? And he says, yeah. And I said, I was praying inside of myself for you. This is a habit I have because I'm a follower of Jesus and he teaches me to care about people. And I say to him, uh, you know, 
I got this impression while I was praying for you that you are precious to Jesus, that he thinks highly of you, and that he has a great plan for your future, but you have to understand this plan only unfolds when you develop an intimate relationship with him and you seek to follow him and obey him. The kid looks at me. He almost starts crying. He goes, you don't know how much that means to me. Nobody ever said anything like that to me in my life. Then he says to me, this is a hard time in my life. I'm living in my car. I don't have a home. I'm trying to work three jobs and pull it together. Thank you so much for telling me that. Then I said to him, just remember, you know, you got to build that relationship with Jesus. He said, you know, I'm, 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 I'm working at that too. And then he goes away, and then he comes right back, and he gives me a hug. Total stranger gives me a hug. Why? Not because I'm special, but because I sincerely care. And I sincerely care because the lover of my soul and all souls live inside of me. His name is Yeshua. His name is Yeshua. Maybe that moment changed the kid's life. You know? But think of how much more your neighbors or your co-workers or the cashier you see all the time in the store. I mean, these are people you can build ongoing relationships with. And some will not be interested. Some will be super interested. Some will be here and there. But that's the way it goes, you know? went that way for all the apostles went that way for all the followers of Yeshua throughout the centuries it's nothing new right are you with me uh, I want to take you to India who wants to come okay but we're just going to go on video okay uh, I want to take you to vi uh, India for a minute because I want to give you a taste of what God's doing through our team in India I think it's going to really encourage you can we pop that video up? It's Operation Yep, you got it. India, in an ancient land weaving together amazing landscape. More than one billion people, hundreds of languages and dialects, and the worship of millions of gods. This mystical land attracts tens of thousands of Israeli travelers every year, many shopping spirituality. Imagine the sons and daughters of Abraham seeking for answers from Eastern mystics, gurus, Buddhists and Hindu meditation, yoga and drugs. But there is a lighthouse in this darkness, Sunrise Messianic Center in the Himalayan mountains, a place where these worried travelers can find true peace for their souls. My wife designed that and we built At Sunrise, that. hundreds of Israeli seekers have heard the good news of Yeshua for the first time in their lives. Many are now reading the forbidden book, the New Testament. Our guest house hospitality, Erev Shabbat and biblical holiday celebrations have become a big hit with young Israelis and afford the opportunity to share life, Yeshua's love and the good news.
sitting down in a cafe to share a meal or hiking together in the mountains give our team members great opportunities to build relationships that opens hearts. We have come to understand that building this sincere friendship and trusting relationship are key. That is why in Israel we continue these relationships and we are following up with those we meet in India for personal meetings and our unique Indian night celebrations. one thing out of that video a couple of things actually number one is that uh, most Israelis have never ever ever heard the gospel and of the more than a thousand that we've ministered to only a handful had ever heard the gospel and so we along with our friends and partners like you we're doing our part to change that because they can't believe unless they hear right they can't believe unless they hear and I carry a list this is just one sheet of over a thousand young Israelis I carried in my Bible because I pray for them regularly people like Ori, Shiron, Ronen, Gavriel, uh, Shlomo, Ba I pray for them regularly you can pray for them also is a way you can touch real Israeli people that have heard the gospel, that are being loved on. Our leader at Sunrise, Benny, he's in touch with over 120 young Israelis regularly, stays in touch. You can pray for uh, Stuart and Chantal's list. I, I like to call it like that just because, you know, Schindler's list, that was the list to save our Jewish people physically. This is to save our Jewish people spiritually. You can pray. And if you want to participate with us, again, uh, above your tithes and offerings, you know, it's, it's people who, who pray and who give that propel us forward. We're a faith ministry. We can't function without the love offerings of friends like you and congregations like this. You know, uh, back in 1994, my wife and I, we went on a outreach to the former Soviet Union to Minsk, Belarus. Belarus is located between Poland and Russia. Uh, and uh, thousands upon thousands of Jewish people were coming to this outreach that Jonathan Burness and Hero Israel Ministries organized. And by the end of that trip, my wife and I understood that God was calling us to take our four children, leave our dream home in New York, and move to Minsk to begin a Messianic Jewish congregation in that city and then uh, to develop a lot of other ministry there uh, step by step as we saw the need. You know, but <laughs> when I think about it, it was kind of crazy. There was a lot of risk involved. Rejection by the people, rejection by the government, complete failure, we move across the world difficulties for our children, financial lack. Belarus was infected by the worst nuclear accident up until that time, the Chernobyl accident. 33% of the land was infected. We didn't have a lot of experience. We were just starting a messianic congregation in Syracuse, New York, 
and we had zero cross-cultural training. But God was calling us. We didn't know Russian, the language of the Belarusian people. We were ill-equipped. Maybe you feel that way sometimes. We were unlikely. Maybe you feel that way sometimes. But we gave Yeshua our five loaves and two fish, and he multiplied it supernaturally. We gave our heart to this. 24 years later, there are four Messianic Jewish congregations established in the four key cities of Belarus. Hundreds of Jewish people have been born again into the kingdom, immersed in water, including many of the leaders of the Jewish community of Belarus. More than 50 Holocaust survivors have embraced Yeshua because we gave him our ill-equipped little, little five loaves and two fish. You know, sometimes, and we lived and served there for 12 years, and we still oversee the work there. And, uh, and that's a whole nother story when they asked me to leave, and I couldn't go for five years, and I was meeting all of my leadership team and volunteer ministers, about 150 of them, in Kiev, Ukraine, about a 12-hour ride. That would be like you meeting Rabbi David uh, in Mexico, you know, when you wanted to see him face to face but thank God they've let me back in since 2013 and uh, they're treating me good again and I'm very grateful for that but you know when I think of it my wife led us to India after I was exiled from Belarus in 2007 and I can't even say we had five loaves and two fish when we w went to India I think it's more like we had crumbs and a few scraps of fish. But we sensed that God wanted us to do something. And so we just took those steps of faith. And so I'm trying to encourage you, not, not talking about my story just for the sake of my story, encourage you, keep taking those little steps of faith. You might think all you have is five loaves and two fishes, or like I felt when we went to India, I felt like I had crumbs and a couple of scraps of fish. But when we give it to the Lord, He does extraordinary things through ordinary people who are willing to take risks and step out and follow Him, come out of our comfort zone and do it. And I look at you, and, and I see people who are in their teens, 20s, maybe in their 50s, 60s, and everybody in between. You have destiny in this next season of your life. Kingdom of God destiny ordained for you by Yeshua, your Lord and the lover of your soul. One of the destinies that he had for us, and we're going to close it down here in a few minutes and we'll have some prayer. One of the destinies he had for us is we understood that when we were going to move to Belarus with our four children, leave our dream home in 1995, that we were going to serve Holocaust survivors. And it was a real trial for me before that. I, I said, Lord, they suffered so much. What can I say to them? What can I do for them? And uh, when we got there, I met with the leaders of the Holocaust Survivors Association of Belarus. And they asked me, why are you here? And I said to them, well, the reason I'm here is because 
the one that was promised to our people, the Messiah that was spoken about throughout the ages, he came into my life and changed it. And I want all of our people to have an opportunity to experience his love, mercy, and goodness. And his name is Jesus, Yeshua. And then I said to them, I said, you know, if you guys never see it my way and never believe the way I believe, I said, I just want to be your friends and help you in whatever way I can. My wife and I both said this. And then uh, I, these are experienced men who've been through everything, so to speak, and I could tell they looked at me and my wife and they said, it's interesting you're here, but we're going to check you out and see if your word is true. And they did. And over time, we became such close friends with so many of these Holocaust survivors. And uh, uh, the impact that it's had on my life, as well on their life, and this wonderful team that God gave us in our congregation to serve them. I just want to take you to one more video and give you a taste uh, of what the Lord is doing in the lives of these survivors. Спасибо большое вашей общине за помощь, что меня не забывают, что меня опекают, молятся за мое здоровье. Самое лучшее пожелание. Они помогали в свое время моей сестре, но она уже умерла, сестра. Очень много помогали. И сейчас они ко мне ходят и... Я их всех люблю и жду всегда с удовольствием. Lucia and her sister Rosa are dancing in heaven with Yeshua because the sacrificial love that was poured out upon them by our team. Hallelujah. Виктория очень часто звонит, приходит и уделяет внимание. И то, что вы делаете, Это неоценимый вклад. Час, который вы здесь у меня, он дороже мне, чем целый день, когда я сижу один в большой этой хате. Putting out a book this year and part of his story is going to be it. He survived five Благодарю за подарок, но сам, самое важное это не сам подарок, а то, что оказывает внимание. Я даже сохраняю все открытки, все поздравления, которые Стюарт и Шанталь нам присылают. 
Вот это что такое бритка Таша? А это за все годы открытки, поздравительные. Мы больше узники ни от кого их не получаем. Она приходит ко мне, ну, бывает несколько раз в неделю. Мы с ней тут пьем чай, читаем Библию. Она мне приносит литературу, которую мне открыла глаза на многие вещи. Я, будучи офицером, я занимался. У меня была нагрузка такая, занимался этаизмом. Сейчас я от этого отказался. Я верю в Бога. Я знаю, что Бог один. Я знаю, что у него Сын Божий есть. Я им всем доверяю. claimed his faith in Yeshua at the end. We met Yevsei when he was 89 years old. He was an officer in the Soviet forces, a confirmed atheist. And when we first brought him a holiday gift basket, food basket, he thanked us. He allowed us into his home. We fellowshiped with him. And uh, then he said, you know, you're nice people, but I understand you believe in the Bible. Don't bring me any of those fairy tales. If you want to be friends, okay. But after a while, it was just crazy prayer goes on in the background. You know, we keep praying, praying, praying. And in his presence, just being kind, serving, taking interest, loving, helping, practically helping in whatever way we could. And over time, Yefsei says to Tanya, who became the main one, that was uh, ministering to him and visiting him. He couldn't get out so often because he'd fall over, he was 89. And so he said to Tanya, give me something to read. I'd like to know a little bit more about what makes you tick. You know, so it don't happen immediate. You can see he was like that, but then starting to open. And then a few months later, this was the testimony. I was an atheist. I rejected that. I now believe in God, that he has a son. And he, we would pick him up and drive him to congregation. He would come, we'd walk him in, they'd walk him home, drive him home. And he became a, like a great-grandfather to many of the kids and a grandfather to others. It was so beautiful. It was beautiful. And I just want to let you know, this is another opportunity for you to participate with us. Uh, we're serving more than 500 survivors in Israel now, and another 100 are left in Belarus. That's all that are left there. And their time is short. They're in their 80s and 90s. And the Lord told us to serve as many Holocaust survivors for as long as they would live on this earth as he would enable us to. And we have wonderful teams in Israel and in Belarus. We feel compelled to do more, to do better, to serve more but we cannot do it without the resources to do that. We need the financial help of friends like you that join with us and our teams on the ground. So 
we have a unique opportunity at this time of year. Generous partners of Reach Initiative have put up a matching gift challenge of $90,000. That means every dollar, every gift that you give is matched dollar for dollar until we reach 90000 which will double to 180000 So I would just ask you, th this is my, I'm a big fundraiser. I'm going to show you what a big fundraiser I am. Just do what the Lord puts on your heart. Just really pray about the opportunity that he puts before you and do what he puts on your heart. Because when all of God's people just do what he does on, what he puts on their heart, then every ministry is provided for, everything goes forward, and people like Yefsei and all the Holocaust survivors that we serve get the kind of ministry and love that they deserve, really, that they deserve. So thank you for considering that opportunity. And uh, may the Lord bless you. You know, if he calls you to give out of abundance or if he calls you to give out of a sacrifice, he's going to bless you because you're responding to him and uh, sharing in his work for our Jewish people who have suffered more than any of us could really even imagine. So in conclusion here, you can play a little something. I like the way you guys play. It was really good. And I want to pray for you. I really want to reemphasize what I believe is a prophetic word for your congregation right now. Based upon my understanding that your rabbi carries the heart of Yeshua to see the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Jewish people born again into the kingdom, discover Yeshua's love his mercy and salvation. I believe that heart is carried in your hearts. And because you're a community that love each other, just make sure they don't drown me out, guys, because then I can't even hear myself. Because you love each other and because you carry his heart and the heart that he's put in your rabbi, this is a season where God is going to begin, if you will allow him, under your rabbi's leadership, mobilize you into an army that's going to take the land. It's an army carrying the banners of love and truth that is going out with the knee bowed to serve those in your community and wherever he will allow you to give your, have influence through your prayers and your giving and wherever you might go. And so I would ask you to take to heart today who am I? Ask yourself, who am I in the Lord? What are my giftings? Lord God, how do you want to use me in this season? Both to love people into the kingdom, one at a time as an individual out wherever I am, but not just as part of a team, as part of an army, to go out and to do things. It's not just the rabbi's deal, it's all of our deal. To do things to win our people. And, you know, I was just really rejoicing last night because, you know, we, we had a little small talk when we got together. And I'm not big on small talk, but, you know, we, it's fun. And we got to do it. We had a little small talk. Talked about CrossFit and the gym and all that. I was in CrossFit at one point in time. Too much for me now. But, uh, but maybe I'll get back into it, you know. And then right after that, we were just talking about the kingdom of God and sharing 
ideas of how God can use us to win his people and the congregation grows and the kingdom expanded. I was really glad about that. I was really glad about that. So this is your season. I really believe I'm speaking to you from the heart of God prophetically. Prophetically. It's going to take stepping out of your comfort zone for some of you. It's going to take realigning your priorities for some of you. It's going to take taking some new risks and being willing to fail. Every time I anoint a new minister, this is one thing I say from the beginning. I say, Lord, thank you that you've given this person gifts, that you've given them passion and compassion. Thank you that you know they're going to make tons of mistakes like I have. It's okay. then I say one other thing. How do you get good at a musical instrument? You practice and you study. Do we have a sports person here, anybody? How do you get good at sports? You practice and you study. How do you get good at loving people into the kingdom of God one at a time? practice and study and you got the best teacher on earth the Holy Spirit he's on this the Ruach HaKodesh is on this he wants to teach you and help you and empower you how do you get good at using your gifts for the kingdom of God you practice and you study and the Ruach the best teacher and not just him but you have a rabbi you have other teachers you can learn I keep learning from others I've been at this 42 years. I keep learning. I learn from people younger than me, older than me, more fruitful than me, less fruitful than me. It doesn't matter. I can keep learning. So, Father, well, before I pray, I want to ask, if you embrace this prophetic word and you want to commit to this lifestyle and using your gifts in a new way for the kingdom, I want to invite you up here, right here. This is like a step to make a proclamation before heaven before your own self and before your rabbi in this congregation. I invite you right here. Come if you're saying yes. Come if you're saying yes. You know, I just want to say something to, to some of you. When I first became a believer and, and somebody would in, invite up, I often would sit in my seat and I'll tell you why. Two reasons. One, I was afraid people would know something more about me. And pride often kept me in my seat. I said, I don't need to come up. God knows my heart. Why do I need to come up? Well, then I learned that if a minister who has even a little anointing is inviting me up in the presence of God, I should take it to heart that maybe God wants to do something just through my response to come up. And so I want to invite everybody one last time. If you feel like you want to commit to this lifestyle in a fresh new way, maybe you're already doing it, but a fresh new way, and to mobilize with this spiritual family and army in a fresh new way, come on up. 